Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Welcome everybody to Equipped to Be. I'm so glad to be with you today. I know I say that every week, but I I sincerely mean that. Back when I first started the podcast, I invited a guest on the program, Daniel Huerta. He is the Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family. And we had such a great conversation when his new book released, uh, The um, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. I just had to have him back on. You're going to love him. You know, we were talking about hope in crisis back Uh, when I had him on the program. And I encourage you, if you did not listen to that episode, go back and listen to it. And I'll tag it as well in the show notes. But we just really want to talk about parenting because even though we're not in the beginning of a crisis like we were before, (laughs) I tell you, we're still in one and parents are still reeling. And you, uh, I just want to talk about the seven traits of effective parenting. I think it is really going to resonate with you. So uh, just welcome Danny to the program. Hey, Danny, thanks for coming on Equipped to Be. I'm so glad that you are, you had the time to be able to come on the program today and talk about your new book. Connie, thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor to be with you again. I appreciate it. Well, you know, you're a licensed clinical social worker, and you have been working with families and giving practical parenting advice on topics like media discernment, and uh, doesn't every parent need that? Discipling and communicating on mental health issues. I would love to know what made you, What I'm sure you're going to say the Lord did, but what compelled <laughs> you to write this particular book, and, and how has it been so timely to come out right now? Yeah, it's an interesting story, Connie. I was a graduate student in the late 1990s. It's been a while. And uh, and I there was a project. They said, hey, you can take on whatever project. And I want to write a parenting resource because I loved the topic and idea of parenting and, and molding and shaping uh, the next generation and children. And so I wrote that and and they said, hey, you need to... Uh, you need to publish this. And I said, well, you know what? I want to wait till I'm a parent. And then I became a parent <laughs> and I didn't have time to write the rest of it. And, uh, and so then I went into private practice. I've worked with families for over 20 years and have developed tools over time and wrote notes along the way. You know, these things worked well consistently. These didn't so, uh, you know, as much. And, and then uh, stories along the way. And uh, once after serving in the counseling department for a while, they're focused on the family and then transferring over to this seat, the vice president, they said, hey, Danny, we'd really like for you to think about something you'd love to write about. And certainly I grabbed that, the, the toolkit for parents. And I said, yeah, this is something parents can actually dive into and, and, and have control over their own personal growth. And so with the great research of the uh, authoritative style of parenting that has consistently shown that it's effective and in, in raising kids and developing relationship, I brought a biblical worldview into that and have felt God really speaking into these particular seven traits that are a balance of the high level of, of, of love and sensitivity and attunement parents need to bring to the table and also a high level 
of, of boundaries, intentionality, um, and, and uh, demandingness that we need to bring from a, a parenting perspective that we're here to guide our kids. And so it's a balance of those two. And man, writing a book, as you know, Connie, is not an easy thing, but through God's grace and a great team of focus and being that through, it's been, it's been fun to go through the process. And we wanted to provide as many practical tools that I've used with families in that book. So hopefully it really does uh, come alongside parents as a, as a helpful tool. Well, I have to admit, I did love seeing the practical tips and tools and the little animation graphs that you have in there. I, I think I'm a, I'm a visual learner for sure. So I just immediately resonated with that. I also know there's an extensive or exhaustive research that you put into this book. So it, you, you back up what you say through your research. I love that you said practical experience there's something to be said about uh, when we're writing a story and it's something that we've walked through, you know, our child, yes. um, yeah. you have two teenagers, is that correct? I have three now. I have two, 17 and 15 that are around that we've raised uh, ourselves. And then this past month, we uh, have attained guardianship of a 13-year-old daughter. And so we, we've got three now of a sudden. We didn't have to do the pregnancy on that one. But <laughs> yes, yeah, three teenagers that we have and new dynamics with uh, the new teen in our home and just love being a dad. Each age and stage uh, presents its its own dynamics and uniqueness. And then you have personality differences and then you have differences between spouses and you bring marriage into the whole thing. <laughs> and, and you've got, uh, you know, you have a lot of richness as parents, as we're being transformed. So this book is about you as a parent being transformed along the way and bringing the best you can each day, not trying to be, not, not being perfect because you can't do that, mm-hmm. but being very relational and intentional in what you're doing. You know, I loved how you mentioned in the book, uh, you talk about raising contributors versus consumers. Uh, I have lots of notes. Uh, I think I told you before we went on air (laughs) that I just put lots of sticky notes uh, on certain segments that I just thought, I love the way you frame that. And if you take, if you would just take a couple minutes and unpack how you're explaining, if you can, I know you have mm-hmm. a lot of information in the book about it, but just kind of the contributor versus the consumer that we are trying to instill in our children. Yeah. I mean, it begins, the story begins in Genesis where Adam and Eve were designed as contributors within the garden. And when sin came in, they became consumers. It became that self-preservation. And for kids, we can teach them so much about physical safety and about your own personal safety and your own personal identity. And it's about you and hey, attain happiness. And that's very much a consumer approach. So what is what is in life for me? Mm-hmm. And God, God has something even bigger and better, much better for us. And that is to be contributors and realize our identity through that. So a contributor would be one that truly does things for the benefit of another person. Yeah, they're empathetic, they're genuine, they're loving, they're grateful, they learn about uh, gratitude and the importance of that. They learn how to be kind in order to serve, not kind in order to get something. And so consumer is about, I'm going to give you something. I may be mean or I may be very kind and very nice, but I'm expecting something for me in return. There's an expectation. Whereas the contributor is coming in out of, out of love, mm. out of a desire to serve 
and it's a process to get there. We are all constantly fighting against that need for something for me, uh, the self-preservation piece. That's very natural. Natural doesn't make it good. Mm-hmm. And God wants something, a transformation to take place in our lives. And as parents, we get to have that same transformation in our lives of learning how to be contributors in our home and teaching our kids, how do you contribute to the health of the home? How do you contribute to the maintaining of our home? How do you contribute by being a, a noticer in someone else's life that needs uh, to be noticed? What what does it mean to be a builder in your words? And how does that mean that you're a contributor when you build with your words in someone else's life? Because God created uh, things with words and created them to be powerful. How are we contributors by bringing God's hope and his love and through God's word? And then, uh, you know, in, in school, many times as, as kids, especially teens, you, teenagers will go in with this desire to belong, uh, to have worth, to have a sense of, of, of competence. And sometimes that naturally starts to push us over to this consumer idea that I need to have more likes. I need to do things well in order to uh, feel worthwhile. And so to take our kids beyond that takes them beyond a, a world of, of, of stress and anxiety where they can be themselves and contribute and, and compliment others without it being threatening to themselves. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, when you talked about words, one of the chapters in Parenting Beyond the Words is that we need to monitor our mouth. And I think what you're talking about is taking the time. You made a note uh, in your book about um, making the t- you know taking the time to be thankful for the contributors, for the encouragers, for the influences in your own life. I, I think words are so under um, underestimated because we know life and death is in the tongue, obviously. But we often, as you have these three teenagers, sometimes we can get into the back and forth of, I'm going to do this for you, but you got to get you got to do this for me. It's just this dynamic of trying to raise them and shape them and form them uh, in and getting them to where they need to go. And sometimes they're willing and sometimes they're resistant. So yes. <laughs> makes me want to ask you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, what is meant in the book when you talk about parenting is bi-directional? Is that, does that go hand in hand with the consumer versus the contributor? Well, I would say it's bi-directional in the sense that uh, kids influence our parenting and parenting influences our kids. It's a, it's a, an impact both ways. My kids have molded and shaped me as well. God has used them to speak into my life and they're part of my rolling credits. As you talked about those contributors, encouragers, and influencers, they've been part of my unfolding and that has uh, allowed me to uh, to see what God's doing in, in my life uh, through through my kids. And this idea of of consumer, it can turn through the bi-directional thing. It can turn to that, even to, for us as parents, where we say, I provide for you, you should do this. <laughs> and so for the kids, they'll learn that, okay, just because mom provides, then I'm expected to, to contribute. No, because you're a part of our family, you get to, you're invited into the process of contributing. And I think that uh, the process of parenting is very much about a very, very big invitation. We're we're invited into God's 
kingdom, but invited into the role of being a mom or a dad. And those are unique roles. And then, and then kids are invited to be children within that home. And they're invited to contribute in the home in order to have a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging, a sense of worth, which is very foundational to the development of a human being. And they're invited into that by contributing. And so they're invited. We don't have to beg them. We don't have to say, hey, I provided so you should do this. It's you get to. And and what an opportunity. So I'm hearing you say we just we want to be careful we're not manipulating our children into yeah. or coercing them into proper behavior that we think they should perform or do because I provide a living or I pay the bills or I pay your insurance for your car. Therefore, <laughs> you're not saying that we can't have um, certain expectations and requirement, but I'm what I'm hearing you say is just being uh, aware of what God is wanting to do in your life through your children and how God wants you to guide, lead, and direct your children in the way they should go and how you um, point out God's attributes, God's character, and the fact that we are a family and this is how we do things. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, some people may say, some parents, I can just already hear it. Well, that sounds idealistic. We do need to let our kids know, you know, we're, we're, we're providing so they, they need to contribute in the home. And that conversation is appropriate with an invitation as well, right? So you're saying, I am providing. So what is the best response for that? And you're invited into our home to help maintain the home. And that's part of these opportunities to help clean the house and help uh, serve others. And we want to provide these opportunities as you're shaped into a person that is relational and learns how to serve and love others and be loved. And so we have plenty of opportunities to practice that here in our house. And, and yes, a person, a parent provides, but then also teaches them about relationship and teaches them about boundaries and then teaches them about mission and vision and teaches them about, about identity. And that's all that process of having conversation with your kids as you're inviting them into what it means to be a child in your home. There's a word you have said repeatedly that I, I, I just wrote down and I had to start it and that was invitation. I just hear such love and gentleness. And I have found as a as a mama of five, and now my kids are, you know, I survived the teen years and they're all adults <laughs> and I love it. I love this season of life. Um, but I just hear such a kindness coming from the, I invite, I, I want to invite my kids. I, I want to extend this invitation of, of love and, and how we're doing life. And Listeners, I just really want you, if you're taking notes, uh, I know you're probably folding laundry or you're waiting in a carpool line, wherever you are, I just, I really want you to write that down. Just that mindset of we're kind of, we're inviting our kids. Uh, when you have that mindset, it kind of removes or re at least minimizes the dragging, pushing, shoving, guilting, manipulating that often we can get into when we're rushed or hurried or, you know, just have a child that's not wanting to do, you know, what we're asking them to do. That is such a tender way of going after the relationship and keeping the heart. So, you know, Danny, with that, I, I know everybody's like, okay, so what are the seven traits? Um, <laughs> they've been waiting. So I, I purposely did this because I wanted them to, to hear the dialogue a little bit and then tell them the seven traits that you have found that are the core of the book and how you unpack it 
you know, then you unpack it throughout the book, but what are the seven traits? Yeah, the first one, and I started these, they're, they're in order intentionally, and that's adaptability. We have, we adapt from the beginning uh, to a new spouse, uh, to your spouse, right? And in that relationship, and then having children. So it's adaptability, and then respect. And if you do respect well, you're doing adaptability well, and then intentionality, and then from there, you move to steadfast love, which is a foundational trait to all seven, and then boundaries, and then grace and forgiveness. You can't separate the two. And then gratitude. It ends with gratitude and wraps it up there. Gratitude for the invitation of being a parent. Your kids will feel that, that you're actually uh, stepping into that role, whether it's hard or difficult and sometimes beautiful. You're grateful for all the moments and the shaping. Uh, because that allows you to adapt, and so then you you keep going with the seven, the seven traits. Uh, and some days you'll do well on all seven. Sometimes three, uh, sometimes maybe four. But there's <laughs> new resets every day, which is beautiful. I love that you wake up every morning. Just wake up and just ask the Lord, God, what's the assignment for today? And give me the grace, give me the ability, give me the wisdom and discernment to teach and train these children in the way they should go. Um, so I have to ask you this question. <laughs> Which of the traits uh, is consistently the most difficult for parents in your research? Well, I'll, I'll even admit for me, too, I, I'd, say, I'd say boundaries uh, is the top. When we look at the assessment, we have a free assessment on our website. It's focusonthefamily.com slash the number seven and then traits. People can start there. It's a free assessment and then some videos and, and content there. But it consistently parents score uh, the lowest on boundaries because part of it's boundaries on yourself. And, and how, can you say no? And uh, for many moms, it's very, very difficult. And then for moms and dads, sometimes the boundaries of when to say no to the kids and when to say yes is different. And so they have disagreement around that. So boundaries tends to be the most difficult one for parents uh, across the board. And then I would say that adaptability in the in the ability to handle personality differences and stress and emotions and demands is is the second one that's the hardest because there are so many that wasn't supposed to happen moments in parenting every single day that uh, that parents are having to respond to and that can get very tiring and many parents don't have the margin to stop pause and figure out what the best response would be in that moment and they end up reacting and then having to go back to the grace and forgiveness one <laughs> to try to repair and bridge up with, with the kids. And sometimes they feel bad. So then they skip some boundaries that they should put in because they felt bad for their reaction earlier. And it's that balance of trying to be consistent in, in applying those seven traits so that you're effective in connecting and guiding your kids along the way. You know, it's funny. I remember many, many times uh, I would, something would happen. I, I, it's not a matter of if, it's just something's going to happen. When the, when the children hit the, the middle and high, and high school years, decisions are, are more critical and crucial. There's, there's obviously greater potential for really failing hard and, and making some missteps and even derailing and I remember going to bed so many times 
and I would just saturate my pillow. And obviously I'd have mascara all over it because I would cry about what I said that I shouldn't have said or what I didn't say that I knew I should have said or you know, just the the angst of parents, and I love how you just phrased that. That there there's going to be those moments where you know, if if we could be perfect, it would be wonderful. But we can't. And what I like about what you've done is, is you've kind of laid a roadmap without you know, hey, if you daily, uh, whether you have one child or like I have five, you have three, if you just nail every step, all seven traits. Uh, you're still going to face some challenges along the way. So I'm, I'm hearing you just give parents permission that, yeah, you may, you may fail a little, you may miss a couple of these traits, but God's mercies are new every morning. They are. And that's, that's the beauty of it, right? We, we have a sunset every day and a sunrise and the sunrise you can look at as an invitation to a new day. And, and at the sunset, you can uh, kind of think through, how, how, did I, how did I do on, on stepping into the invitations that God had for me? Because you probably missed a few, and that's okay. And, and that means you're, you're more aware of that. And it's not about going to shame. It's about where, where did I miss the shaping God had for me? And how can I be aware of those um, invitation moments with my kids of being able to to teach and guide but also invitations where God was wanting to speak to me maybe a time of prayer and pausing so that my stress level was in the right place what are the different invitations i have and how do i begin to notice them for the next day so that i enter them intentionally and and with awareness because it's not all about trying to make your kids happy or the perfect kids it's about shaping them. And that means you have to take care of you well. And that may mean putting some pause buttons around the house and pausing for a moment and noticing an invitation from God to go into prayer or singing or just a moment in the bathroom where you take some deep breaths and, and say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to go towards gratitude and practice that right now so that I can realign my, my mind to line up with God's will for now. Uh, for this moment and and re-enter uh, so that I can see what my kids are 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 needing and wanting uh, from me and 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 a good way to step into those moments. Mm. So when we think about all the the seven different traits, I would love for you to just speak to how a parent can navigate those personality differences in their home. You have three. And I know they are not just like you or your wife, and they're not like each other. So, you know, speak to that, if you will. Yeah, the first one that I love to do and think about, and I, I talk about this a lot with my my family, is the thought bubbles. We all have different thought bubbles. And sometimes I'll look at my my daughter. She's real playful. She, she thinks a lot, very talkative. And um, I'll say, hey, I can see you have these other thought bubbles that I probably don't know about. And that's that flexibility of my mind to be able to know that there are different thoughts in, in, the, in the same exact moment. All my kids and my wife have different thoughts, and I need to be flexible enough to take those into consideration as we're trying to resolve differences of how we're, we're, we're filtering moments or even a vacation, right? With some someone maybe looking at 
having whole, completely different expectations of the vacation and maybe a very restful one, whereas another personality is wanting to go all adventure. And so digging into those thought bubbles of perception and, and understanding. The other one is how do we, how, how do you navigate compromise? How do you meet each other in the middle, taking into consideration the other person's personality? For instance, some kids are more peacemakers and they want a, low, a slower pace. The talkers want a faster pace. And so how do you meet in the middle and, and take each other's um, personalities into consideration when you're looking at the pace of everyday life in your home? The other one is empathy, knowing that someone's going to be different than you. And so you want to, uh, to acknowledge that and to not make fun of it, but to say, oh, OK, so you're looking at it differently. Help me understand how you see it and why you see it that way so I can learn more about you. And, and then communicating. Open communication is so important between the, the different uh, personalities in the home and then having fun with it. Uh, you have more of the thinker types maybe in your home that are in their thoughts a lot. They want lists. They All their thought bubbles go into lists, and then they make lists of, for lists, and they structure everything. And you, what you want to do is say, hey, wow, that's fantastic for our family, and, and see the strengths they may have to set up systems around chores and things like that. And then you may have a leader child that helps execute the plans that you have in your house. And then you might have a talker one that knows how to have fun. And you say, Hey, at the end of, of all our work stuff, how, how about you come up with some ideas for celebrations and you interview everyone and see the different types of celebrations we could have. And then you have a, a peacemaker that uh, sometimes just wants to make everyone happy and you draw out opinion from them uh, by being interested in, in who they are and what their opinion is on what's happening in the home. If they say, man, the, our, our pace is so fast. Can we just slow down and, and have a day of just relaxation? Taking that into consideration as they're part of your home. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of conversation and note-taking so that you continually learn about one another. And we've put on our website some uh, a real quick quiz you can use to start to navigate that conversation in a fun way. Uh, in your family. Now, is that uh, focusonthefamily.com slash seven traits? Is that just the assessment or is that the um, resources available? Yeah, that would be the assessment. The resources, you could go to forward slash parenting and uh, and then you'll find the personality uh, the personality differences there. There's there's uh, an article and then you can actually uh, on your on your phone or on your device, you can go in and and take a quick quiz and start the conversation on who's what and, and who on that. You know, I have to say, when I finished writing my book, I had to sit down with my children. And I would imagine you, you probably had to do that, too. And I, I sat them all down. and I said, OK, guys, I need to read you these stories because they're all adults. And I needed to get that that consent from them. And one of my my kids said, we lived it. Do we have to listen to them again? <laughs> and I just had to laugh because the stories that I share are kind of like my mom fails. And once they listen to the first story, their first question was, oh, read some more. Those are good. Um, I, I just it made me think about something you said. You grow in your role. Um, you know, you're not the, the dad that you are at you know, with your 17-year-old, 
when you first had that first child. You had to, you may have had a lot of knowledge, but there's something that happens with experience and trial and, and error and going back to them. And like you said, one of your traits is grace and forgiveness and knowing when to have that steadfast love and and knowing how to be intentional. So I wrote something down here. I said, just become a student of your child. So much observation and like you said, communication. And you said something else. And y'all, I want you to write this down. Uh, he made, Danny made a very important point that we have to, some of our children, like the chatty ones, they'll just tell you everything in the mind, out the mouth. And you're teaching them how to like filter sometimes. But there are some children that you, um, you have to draw out how they're thinking and feeling and processing the world around them. So, you know, there was a, I would love for you to take a minute or so, and you probably have one set of ideals and expectations as the dad, as the head of your house, and your wife has another. Her personality is probably different than yours. <laughs> um, no, no way. <laughs> um, yes. You know, my husband and I laugh. We are so opposite. Uh, we have the Lord in common. And that's kind of what, you know, 36 years in and we still, you know, we didn't mold and become like each other. We just know each other better. But as you're parenting and, and you're trying to consider not only the needs of your children, uh, raising children and keeping your marriage together and keeping your family as a unit and as a team that's all working together. Um, as from a practical standpoint, how do you help your wife? Well, I think the key word there you said is team and working together. If you work together, you're much more effective and you have to remember that it's not about you're seeing the complete picture. Uh, God used four different uh, people to write the gospels of Jesus's life. And, and you have four different perspectives in order to get the complete story. In this case, we have two parents, husband and wife that are trying to navigate demands on their time from multiple directions and respond with wisdom. And so there's a lot of room for imperfection. The more you encourage one another, the more room you have to see wisdom, the more you are settled enough to truly see your kids the more conflict you have between the two of you, the more blinded you are by emotion to the needs of your kids in the moment. And so if there's, if there's a lot of conflict between a husband and wife and there's uh, a disrespect towards each other or a discounting of one uh, parent's opinion or even an ignoring, the kids will pick up on that and will take advantage of that. And you, you'll miss out on some important guidance, uh, especially in the, the trait of respect which, which, which really creates uh, an opportunity to learn how to see the preciousness of life around you. And kids will go towards that consumer mindset where they will learn how to manipulate rather than the idea of contributing. And so the more life-giving words that you can model uh, you as a spouse with your kids towards your spouse in front of them, the more life you bring and, and, and respect within your home, and, uh, and the, the more you can show grace and forgiveness, because you'll need that as, as husband and wife, you're showing the redemptive story of Christ into your home. You're bringing a perfect example that there's always room for a bridge, but you've got to build it. And you, you've got to repair relationship along the way. And you're modeling what a marriage is going to be about. And 
So that support, when your your wife feels that support or a husband feels the encouragement, it fuels them to do parenting well and to enter into an invitation with with more energy than if you didn't do that. You know, it's it's great that you said that because the end goal isn't turning the tassel and saying, see you later. You know, really the end goal is for, for our family was we wanted our kids to want to do life with us. I mean, we wanted them to call us when they didn't have to call us and say, hey, you want to go grab a bite to eat? Or can we come over and hang out with you? Or, you know, back before March of 2020, you want to go to a movie? Um, There was a whole host of things. And the end goal that I see in what you're writing is you're building a family that is going to do life together, that is going to glorify and honor the Lord. And it's amazing. God takes this imperfect um, mom and dad and these imperfect kids. And he says, okay, let's do it. And I, I think you've written such a, a, a wonderful tool and resource for parents to read through. There was one thing I wanted to talk on, and that is the activities. You know, I well, there's two things I have to, all right, so I'll confess. There's two things. I love how you break things down into stages. You know, it's so often parents are like, well, what do I do with my four-year-old or my 10-year-old? Because parenting changes. I love that you have the parental concerns at each stage. What, you know, like what the parents maybe expect and what the child's thinking. How have people reacted and responded to that? Because I love it. Yeah, they've enjoyed that. They've enjoyed a lot of the practical tools. One favorite consistently is the uh, the one dollar for conflict, and uh, one that I didn't get to include in there is a mirror exercise. So I'll mention those two real quick. The one dollar for the conflict. If your kids are arguing, I, I love to use this sometimes on our trips because uh, when you're in the car for a long time, <laughs> there's bound to be something. <laughs> so uh, if the kids are arguing about something, I'll say, all right, you get about uh, 60 seconds to begin to figure out how you're going to solve this. And if after five minutes, and I'll put the timer, if after five minutes you guys haven't resolved it, you're going to hire me for a dollar a minute. And the one that's most inflexible is going to have the higher percentage of the bill. So if you guys can't figure it out, I'm I'm happy to help you guys and and step into it, and uh, and then we'll you know as I'm listening in, I'll figure out who's not being the most flexible, and uh, it's a dollar a minute, which is which is which is great. We'll put that in a in a fund for our family. And then uh, the other one is if a, if a parent and a child, especially a teenager or two teenagers, are in conflict and they're stuck, or you see a lot of disrespect in the nonverbals, you go to the mirror and you just look at yourself in order to, as you're solving the conflict, you're just looking at yourself and regulating your own nonverbals as you're trying to communicate to remove some of the nonverbals that are so uh, distracting. You know, the rolling of the eyes, the the looking away and, and teenagers many times start laughing because they see how they're, how they're, <laughs> what they're doing to their face and things like that, that you've mentioned. But when they're standing in the mirror, you go, Oh, oh we're going to need to resolve this, but let's go stand in the mirror. And I've used this a lot in the counseling, uh, with, with teens. And they say, man, Mr. Worth, I didn't know I did all that. I, it's really, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I could see, I could see what my mom was saying. And the parents sometimes see something in themselves that create disconnection with the teen and it feels disrespectful to the teen. 
as well. So those are two examples of a couple exercises that uh, families have have appreciated. And the one that's in the book is the dollar uh, for for the conflict moments. I mean, without naming names, obviously, um, I would imagine, at least in my family, some of my children probably could have paid for a vacation uh, at a dollar in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, good. That's good. I, you know, the mirror, I can almost see, all right, we're in the middle of uh, a conflict or a disagreement. And you basically say, everybody go find a mirror. <laughs> let's everybody analyze what they're doing. And let's come back after we have uh, assessed our own attitudes and actions and facial gestures and voice inflections. You know, you said something. And as we kind of wrap up, I really could talk to you for for a long time. I, I love what you're doing. I, I've been privileged to be a guest on Focus on the Family and do some of your segments for Hope in Crisis. And I know parents really look to focus to to be that anchor and to um, help them as they're navigating the stormy waters of parenting. I know one of the things that I read from you was that 73% of parents of all backgrounds say that their biggest challenge is parenting. And more than 80% of those said good parenting can be learned, but they just wish they knew more about how to be a positive parenting. And I think seven traits of effective parenting is more than just positive parenting approaches. I think it truly is a tool that parents can use and refer back to. And I'll just tell you guys, make sure uh, when you get this book, you can get it at Focus on the Family through the bookstore, and I'm sure it's available wherever books are sold. But grab a highlighter, and if you're like me, every time I read a book, I, I have a journal, and I always encourage you to have a journal. I want you to write down what God is speaking to you. Uh, I want you to write down things you notice about specific children. Maybe they are giving you some negative body language, or they're giving you some pushback. Write that down and then take that before the Lord. And as you go through the seven traits of effective parenting, I I want you to underline it. I want you to dog ear it if you're that kind of a a reader. But I also want you to write down certain things, little nuggets. This is full of just truth and nuggets. It's based on biblical principles. And whenever we can base what we're doing on, on what the Lord says and what God's desire is for you and your family, the more uh, your family is going to be growing closer together as you seek and serve each other and the Lord. And that's why I really wanted to have Danny on the program today. As we wrap things up, uh, Danny, just kind of share something that is just, uh, we've covered so much, but if there's something you would like to just leave with my listeners that make them chew on something for a little bit, or even write it down and ask the Lord about, would you do that? Yes. One of the th- the concepts that I use throughout the book, Connie, and, and again, I'm so thankful to be on the show with you is the concept of us being uh, cities that are developed over time. Uh, it's, it's kind of a word picture to use, uh, an illustration to use in your mind. We're cities built over time with imperfections all throughout the city. And what you want to recognize is that your spouse is a separate city. Your children are little cities built over time with with little dirt roads to them and now highways potentially as, as teens that are under construction all the time. And each of our cities are under construction all the time. 
And as you're thinking about that, where do your kids enter your city as they're coming to visit you? And have you taken the time to really look at each of your children's city as it's been built? And is there there are roads coming from other directions into your children's cities? Uh, what what do you notice about those connections? How are they choosing the cities they're going to? And begin to map out what does this this maybe state look like in your home where there are multiple cities coming into, as kids get older, they get more connections coming in. What's going on there and what's going on in your city? What has been built over time? What's in your museum, in your history that's impacting the culture of your city and the way that you're navigating life? How's God influenced the, the, the construction of your city and the, the reconstruction of things that are needing construction? So, Connie, one of the things that I want to end with is 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5, and then verse 17 for parents. And this is a prayer for you. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And then it says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way, and the Lord be with you all. I hope you enter that invitation of parenting and the little invitations that go along with that. That's beautiful. The steadfastness of it all. Our children, they certainly don't expect us to be perfect. Um, They just want us to show up. They want us to lead, guide, and direct them. And they will trust us over time as we apply the principles that, uh, or the traits that you have highlighted. Uh, I think they're so perfect. And I want to encourage all of you to get this book. You're really going to enjoy diving into this. And let me know. Let me know what you think. What's resonating with you? You can email me or leave some comments. I, I love hearing from you. Danny, I know that Focus on Family has all their social media sites, but do you specifically have a landing place on social media that uh, people can connect and follow you? On Facebook, I do. It's the page that's designed for this, Books of Traits of Effective Parenting. And we do a Facebook Live every two weeks, hitting topics there on the uh, Facebook, the Focus on the Family Facebook page. Uh, We just did one on talking to our kids about life and abortion, tackle mental health issues. I'll be going through all seven traits here soon uh, on the the Facebook Live, and we'd love to have anyone that wants to join us there to to come and and join us on the parenting segment. We also have Greg and Aaron Smalley that do the marriage segment on the week when the parenting side is not doing uh, the Facebook Live. But yeah, we'd love to, to have people join us there. We also have a uh, focus on parenting podcasts, much like like you have, Connie, of uh, just talking through parenting types of topics, and then the the website. And we appreciate you coming with us and and being on the on the broadcast with us too, Connie, and and appreciate working alongside of you as we serve parents. I love it. Thank you so much again for being with me, for sharing this book, sharing this book with the millions and millions of parents that are working to reach and teach and train their children. Uh, so thank you for coming on the podcast. And I, I just look forward to how this message will resonate with my audience. Thank you so much, Connie. Well, that wraps up another edition of Equipped to Be. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I know you're going to love it just because it's going to speak straight to your heart. 
Uh, raising children is not easy. It can be a challenge, but God tells us that we can, you know, we can get tired, we can rest, but we can't quit. And you can't quit because God's called you to this assignment and he's given you some wonderful tools and resources available to reach the heart and keep the heart of your child and be the parent because you will be refined in the process of parenting. I promise you. So thanks for joining me for this edition of Equipped to Be. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.